Welcome back to Limbach Unlocked. Have you ever thought about how what you do affects what someone else might do and consequently the whole earth and universe? Okay, well, that escalated quickly, but you get me, right? It's important that we realize we're working in and building a world that will last long into the future. And there's a word for that, sustainability. And businesses are becoming obsessed with it, rightly so, I might add. We have three sustainability gurus on the show today, Ben Dawson, an intern from Ohio State, I'll let him introduce himself, and two people you may know well, Richard Davis, our director of technology, and Sean Murphy, president of our engineering group. Both have been in the business of innovation and energy for a long while now and can give some insight into this all-important issue of sustainability. My name is Katie Mystery with Learning and Engagement. Let's get started, shall we? Welcome to each of you. Let's get started with introductions. Richard, can you give us your history with this company and your understanding or definition of sustainability, which is what we're talking about today? So I've been with the company for just coming up on 11 years. I think next month wow. might be my work anniversary. So gifts. Congrats. I started with, as a LEMT, the Limbaugh Engineering Management Training Program, way, way back. Uh, so I was exposed to mechanical design, as well as project engineering and drafting. So after the LEMT program, I shifted into the drafting side of things as a BIM manager with the company. Um, and from there, after a couple of years, moved into what we call LEAP program, which was an energy and sustainability program. I did that for a couple of years and just recently transferred to this technology and innovation manager role with corporate. But I, I do feel like technology has kind of always been a part of your role or innovation at least, right? In some way, shape or form. Yeah, I I always wanted to try the new greatest thing that the company wanted to pay for, right? So that was kind <laughs> right. Of and that's probably what led me to transition through the different positions that I did was, hey, there's this shiny new technology. Can I can I learn everything about it and figure out how to leverage it? Right. I love that. That's going to come into play in our conversation today for sure. Thank you, Richard. Sean, how about you? Well, I've been with the company now for 22 years wow. and currently serving as the president of LEF. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, part of the reason I've been with the company so long um, is just I really truly believe in the design build process and the true design build that we have where we're putting together the engineering expertise with the master builder construction expertise mm -hmm. um, and and so you know for me when we talk about sustainability um, you know I really think that um, we're talking about being good stewards of the earth and, and the resources we have and and trying to really benefit people and communities in the built environment. That's great. We'll, we'll definitely, again, we're going to touch on all that good stuff. Ben, tell us a little bit about you, but can you also explain the three pillars of sustainability that you're learning about? Yeah, so I do not have the uh, illustrious history that Sean and Richard <laughs> do. I am an intern here. Um, I work really out of the Ohio branch, uh, mainly with the controls department, a little bit with the service department, uh, and anywhere else I can be helpful. Uh, but I've worked most closely with a, a pro controls project manager whose name is Lexi Hilsman, and she has really kind of guided me and been a mentor and just been outstanding awesome. working with her. Um, and so 
I'm lucky to have her and uh, so is Limbach. She's outstanding. Um, after this, I'll be returning to Ohio State uh, to finish my senior year where I'm studying environmental sciences with a background in sustainability and business. Uh, so my definition of sustainability is pretty heavily uh, influenced by my studies. Um, at Ohio State, they really teach you that there's, really in the sustainability field in general, they teach you that there's these three pillars to sustainability and think of them like a Venn diagram if that helps too. Uh, the first one is the environment, the second is the economy, and the third is the social sphere. And so all of those kind of interact and touch each other. And at the intersection of that Venn diagram, if you will, or the pillars, is sustainability. Uh, and so I guess in words, uh, it'd be a development that meets the needs today without jeopardizing the needs of the future. Wow, that's super impactful already. <laughs> so these three pillars impact all of us at this company, right? I mean, Ben, you and I have talked about that. It impacts everyone involved in business too. And I'd love to use them as our structure for our conversation. So Sean, you have an interesting take on these three pillars. You have 22 years in the industry uh, with us. If we start with the environment, because that was the first one Ben mentioned, where has the company been really strong in saving energy? Yeah, so we've, I feel like um, Limbaugh has been very proactive in um, being concerned about the environment and how we impact the environment. Uh, in fact, you know, we were on board early with the U.S. Green Building Council lead certification process. And, you know, about 15 years ago when they came out with version two and they they came up with a lead accredited pro, uh, professional credential. Um, we got that and we had classes across the company to anybody, even uh, people not directly involved with projects, just to raise awareness about how what we do as constructors and builders and engineers and technology users affects our environment. So um, definitely we've been proactive on the visibility um, of, of what we're doing. And I think one of the things that we're really strong at is understanding energy and the energy usage of the systems we design and build uh, because the mechanical, electrical, and plumbing systems is a major contributor to how much energy a facility uses. So, yeah. um, you know, we've, through energy modeling and um, monitoring actual costs and, and auditing things, um, We've been really engaged in understanding how much it costs and what what other options might be to reduce total energy usage. All right. So when did we start with that energy modeling and monitoring? Have we always done that or is that more of a recent history addition? Uh, we've been doing that for a long time. And mm -hmm. um, whether it's been a project that's, uh, for example, a lead uh, project that's going for certification, um, or uh, it's an energy savings related project where the part of the project is actually funded out of the savings, like a performance contract. Um, we've, we've almost always been engaged in understanding the return on investment, the energy usage of the facility that we are designing or the modification and renovation of an existing system you know, what are the energy related impacts and what is mm -hmm. it going to cost, not just upfront as a first cost, but through the life of the facility? Yeah. I mean, that makes me really proud 
you know, to be a part of a company that cares so deeply about monitoring that. And, and I know we're kind of all passionate about this subject in some way or another. Ben, you have something that you're equally as passionate about, which is remote work, right? And, and how that can contribute to environmental sustainability and benefit our people. Can you explain the relationship between remote work and environmental sustainability? Yeah, so I think there's really two big contributors, uh, how in the environment is you know, benefited by remote work. And I think you know, they're pretty simple. I think the first one is just transportation. And so right. uh, give you a little statistics here. Um, in 2019, the transportation sector emitted almost 30% of the total greenhouse gases in the United States. Uh, and of that 32% or of that 30%, almost 82% was from mid to small or mid and small size vehicles, like wow. cars and trucks that we drive to work every day. So I think one of the biggest impacts you can do is just not drive as much and by extension, not emit as much. And so whether that's one day a week or two days a week, just kind of making a cognizant effort to reduce that. And then mm -hmm. similarly, I think, you know, Sean just touched on it, but, you know, energy and, and energy usage, which funny enough is the second uh, leading emitter with around 25%. Um, and so same thing, you know, if, if you're not at the office one or two days a week, however many it may be, then you know, the office doesn't need to run the heat as much or the AC as much, you know, water mm -hmm. bills and whatnot and electricity. And so just by not being there, you're not contributing to those emissions uh, as much. And you can see pretty big reductions in that. And so both of those, you know, reduce pollution and, you know, lower the carbon footprint, which is you know, always good for the environment. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's definitely remote work is controversial. I know it is. But if we look at it through this sustainability lens, I could see your point here that it's it has great benefits to the world that we're working in. So, I mean, that's insight. You both bring such insight um, into this because you're coming from such different experiences and angles on envi the environment. And I know this is something that a lot of people are concerned about, but not everyone may know our stance or what's happening inside and outside the company. So that actually leads me to our next pillar, though, social or society. And Richard, in your current role, technology is the theme, right? So there are certainly social implications to how we can be responsible within a technological space. Can you explain how that might be true for us in general, but also in this company in particular? So I guess, Katie, to answer that question, um, our approach to technology, both internal and external, is to really understand how we can impact building operation for one, as well mm -hmm. as support staff and team and facility management on better insights into the facility. So when I think of it externally, it's not just taking technology and applying it for the sake of applying it, right? We do a mm. lot of data analytics and mining of data. We collect and create these beautiful dashboards. But if we don't work with a client that turns that into action, it comes back to the knowledge without action is meaningless, right? So we can tell them things are wrong, but if they don't fix them, we're not really making an impact on the environment. Good point. So for us, it's being that partner and leading with them and, and telling them, yes, you can save energy, but you're also going to reduce your carbon emissions, right? Make your facility more sustainable. And then Sean, back to your point, we always give them an ROI or simple payback because the money is what pays for these improvements. So it's on us to help build that narrative. And really, it's a dialogue with the client about why it's important to them. Yeah. And so like, when I think about using technology for that, it's really the smart application of technology that I think is more important than just doing something because it looks awesome, right? I mean, 
The looking awesome is pretty cool, though. I agree. I agree. We like to show <laughs> off, right? We, like, we do. Yeah. We like the flashy stuff. No, but I, I completely, I'm resonating with what you're saying because I think that that partnership is what we're after in so many areas of the business. So to be able to provide that with innovation is a win. I mean, that's huge. We have to be able to do that. But appealing to the humanity of these owners and people that are, you know, are going to benefit from the innovation is is the critical piece of it. And that's kind of what I'm hearing you say. Is that, is that accurate? Yeah, it's kind of where the rubber meets the road, right? Yeah, yeah. What are some typical, like, techie things that we're putting in buildings these days? Oh, so... It's really about monitoring the building system and building operation. So it's about collecting that data. So the techie things we might do is integrate with the building automation system on a level that we typically wouldn't have in the past. Usually, Ben, as you know, our control system will go in and dial in maybe a schedule for equipment to make sure things only turn on when people are in the building and the space has those cooling or heating needs. Uh, we're taking it beyond that and saying, well, just besides the equipment, let's double check occupancy. CO2 emissions, help calculate air change, air change rates in a room to make sure we're turning over air for indoor, indoor air quality, right? So we're taking it beyond just, here's a power meter. We're trying to collect all the data we can in the facility. And to do that, we need to use the techie systems or analytics to help mine that data. So it's kind of taking it to the next level and installing our own equipment sometimes to help collect that information. And, and owners and... Um people in the building want that data because? It's visibility, right? Hmm. So instead of having information that's living in multiple locations, it's kind of annoying to go find it. So what we're trying to help them do is combine all that data into one common platform so they can see everything happening in the facility in one location. I mean, hmm. if something's too complicated for the end user to use it, they're just not going to use it. Right. right? So, so you're helping them make sustainable choices by giving them all the information that they need. Yep, we're trying to empower them with all their data so they can turn it into those actual lives. That's a huge value add. And and definitely on that social side, a great partnering tool. Um, on the on the flip side of this social coin, Ben, you're newer to the working world and you know, you're gonna be going into your senior year and then coming out and trying to find a job, right? So as someone being recruited by companies to work for them, can you talk to us a little bit about the social responsibility you're looking for in organizations? Like, what do you want? Work-life balance, flexible schedules? What's appealing to you? Definitely a good work-life balance. That's yeah, obviously pretty key. Um, but I, I really think social responsibility boils down to a couple things. I think the first is a good workplace culture so you know not only a good work-life balance but you know culture that's conducive to, to learning and to growth and you know having everybody you know be at the table and be you know diverse in our ideas and inclusive and whether you're an entry-level employee or you're a manager you're just being able to bring up ideas and not get immediately shut down or right. you know turn to someone else uh, and I think what goes hand in hand with that is, is strong leadership and a leader who is gonna you know make sure that happens and, and make it a priority. Um, and then lastly, I think, you know, social responsibility at the end of the day boils down to, you know, having an open mind and, you know, listening to your employees or, or to other people and be willing to adapt and, and listen to their ideas. Uh, so whether yeah. it be you know, sustainability initiatives, like we're talking about today, or, you know, remote work, or even just something as simple as, you know, employee wants and needs. 
So I think mm-hmm. those are the, the three, I guess, main things that I would be looking for. Yeah, I appreciate you saying that. And actually, it it aligns with what I've been seeing, you know, in reading different articles about how do we recruit the next generation. And more and more, we're hearing the same thing of, I just want people to listen to me. I want them to treat me like an equal. I want to, yeah, have flexible schedules, have that work-life balance, but I want I want a good team. And, and that's been a, that's been changing actually from previous generations that, you know, we're looking at balance and maybe even more of the millennial generation, which is saying, yeah, I want, I want flex, flexible schedules, or I want this kind of pay, or I want these kind of, you know, more tangible benefits. But more and more, we're hearing that if you listen to me, if you lead and, and help me lead, then that's being responsible for the people that you have working with you. And that's kind of what you're saying, right? Yeah, absolutely. Wow. So <laughs> we got some work to do, Limbach. We got some work to do. But Ben, that's that's insight that you're bringing and that's helpful for us to hear it from um, someone who is coming into the working world. And, and I appreciate you sharing that. Listen, let's take a moment before we get to the final pillar of sustainability, because I would love our listeners to get to know each of you a little bit better. And because sustainability is all about making the world a better place, I thought we would do one of our newer segments, which is called Let's Get Inspirational. Okay, This is where I give you two legitimate inspirational quotes that I found on the good old interweb, and you tell me which one inspires you the most. All right, here we go. Let's get inspirational. I think we all need pep talk. First quote, I always wanted to be somebody, but now I realized I should have been more specific. Quote number one, versus wisdom comes from experience. Experience is often a result of a lack of wisdom. Two inspirational quotes that I found on the interweb, and you got to tell me which one inspires you the most. Let's, Richard, let's start with you. Pick your poison. Oh, man. So I had to pick between the two, and both great. I'm going to go with Thank the you. second one, right? Mm. And the reason I like the second one so much is because I learned the most from my failures, right? So I, I, I made a mistake one time just to see what it felt like, right? And I learned a lot from that mistake. <laughs> uh, no. But seriously, Love that. When, I, when I think about everything I've learned and when I talk to people, I'm most passionate about talking about things I've kind of screwed up on a little bit, but then learned from, and then mm-hmm. turn those into kind of like my own little life lesson, Richard's Pearl of Wisdom, if you will, is yes, hey, yes. Don't, don't, don't do that because this is going to happen. And I can say from experience, right? Mm-hmm. So I think in my, my older age now, Katie, is yes. Learning about my my wisdom. If I have anything to bestow, it's it's learning from those failures, getting that experience from those mistakes, and then talking about it, not just sweeping them under the rug, but then talking about them so other people don't repeat it. A, a good old lessons learned meeting. Exactly. Yeah. All right. I like it. All right, Sean. How about you? Which one? I like the first one. I think it's uh, funny and I love to laugh and have a good time and have fun, (laughs) whether I'm working or not. So uh, I think that one ties it up pretty good. Um, I can say, uh, you know, I I kind of backed my way into this industry and didn't even know that much about it when I was just starting out. And uh, 
I've learned a lot and really enjoyed it. And um, but uh, <laughs> they're funny. Yeah, I thought that was funny when you read it. So I like I like the first one. All right, awesome. And Ben, you're the tiebreaker. Which quote? I'm going to have to side with Richard on this one and go with the second one. Yeah. And uh, I, I think he did a fantastic job describing it. So I'm going to try not to echo his, his sentiment too much. But in my uh, short professional world experience, uh, especially this summer, coming in with little experience in this industry, um, I think I've learned the most, like, you know, like Richard said, at messing up and, and experiencing you know, failures more than I have, you know, someone sitting me down and just kind of telling me how to do it. And, uh, you know, I think the reason that I've learned so much, not that I've, you know, constantly made mistakes mm -hmm. and I've made like one or two, <laughs> but um, is, is at least in the, you know, the Ohio branch, I think there's, there is that good workplace culture. And, mm -hmm. you know, I can turn to anybody and be like, I don't know what I'm doing here, or I made this mistake, you know, please help me. And they'll, they'll sit me down. They'll tell me where I went wrong without you know, scolding me. And I think that's just a great environment and is really conducive to, to learning and, Absolutely. Okay. All right. Well, I, I'll give you both of them are excellent, which is why they were chosen. So, <laughs> but I'll give you that. I think that's, I think that's true. And I heard once from a speaker, he said, you know, you got to learn from other people because you're not going to live long enough to make all the mistakes in the world on your own. So I think what you said rings true for many of us, but I want to very weirdly transition here back to <laughs> sustainability because that had absolutely nothing to do with sustainability. Um, you know, Ben, you're studying the cost of sustainability and corporate responsibility. So I, I want to pick it back up there, but I'm going to shift it to Sean. And, and if you want to comment on this, Ben, please feel free, because I'm curious what you think, um, too. Sean, in your experience, what's the cost benefit of some of the energy projects we've worked on? And how do we sell the value of that? Yeah, so good question. I think... Um a lot of times there's a tremendous focus, especially for um, new construction project, we're building a new facility, uh, how much is it going to cost to build it? And obviously that's very important, um, but it's really a, a small portion of the story of the facility. Once it gets built and it's operating and in use, uh, there is a tremendous cost to operate the building. And um, so what we, what we really want to focus on and try to do is understand the full life value of what we're designing and building and not just the upfront cost to get it up and running for day one. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, it's important to look at the type of systems that we design, how long they last, how easy they are to maintain, um, what type of controls we can have set up in the building to make sure we're not leaving lights on all night long when no one's there or running fans at uh, lower speeds when they're less occupied. So there's a lot that goes into it, but uh, you know the real easy answer is um, the facilities are expensive to operate. They use a lot of energy. And we have to be mindful of that and not just how much it costs to um, design and build it um, up front. It's almost like we're telling the owner that we'll, we're going to save you money. Yes, it's going to be expensive to build this building, but we're going to end up saving you money. Is that kind of the value proposition? 
It is, and and with our company focused on owner direct um, work, you know, the owner is very aware of those costs, and that's very important to them because uh, they're not just concerned with building a new building or adding on a new addition or making a renovation, but uh, they're going to continue to own and operate for many years. Mm -hmm. So uh, mm -hmm. that has to be included in the discussion of deciding what best fits the owner's needs in order to accomplish their goals. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and Ben, when you're, when you're studying, you know, environmental sustainability and responsibility, you have, have you talked about co the cost of that? And, and if so, is there any light you could shed on how costly it is to be sustainable? Yeah. Um, so I have studied that. Um, that'll be a lot of what I get into uh, this upcoming year. But mm -hmm. so far, I mean, Sean described it pretty well. And that is very expensive to, you know, operate a building. And a lot of times it's more expensive to kind of operate or to start it in a sustainable, in a sustainable way. And, you know, I'll give you, you know, solar panels, for example. Yeah. Those are, those are very expensive. And if you want, you know, to sell those, you're really going to have to sell the the cost, you know, and the return on investment over time and, and show mm -hmm. the, the investor or the, uh, client that, hey, you know, it might cost, you know, five times more startup, but then over 10 years, you'll get double that money back. And so I think that's the challenge uh, with businesses, because obviously, you know, they are more concerned about, you know, their economic gains or losses, and it's showing them that it's beneficial to win-win. It's beneficial for the environment with clean energy, renewable energy, whatever it may be, but it's also beneficial to you over time. And I think that's really the the hardest thing to, to sell them, but also the, the most important thing to get across. Yeah. Yeah. Be, and my guess is it would be difficult because they're not seeing it in their hands right then and there. Yeah, absolutely. They want it, you know, tangibly right there, like you just said, but yeah, the challenge, like I said, is getting them to, to see it over a 10 year span. And, and Sean, when you're doing that, when you're talking to people who are, you know, buying the service from us, how do you get them to see that value? Because it's one thing to say we can do it, but do we have like proof <laughs> that it's actually worth it for them? Uh, we do. We, so we've been engaged for um, a long time in uh, performance contract type work where we come in well, it's and it's with an existing facility and we come in and we do an audit of the facility. We make recommendations to improve the operation of the facility. And then we guarantee the savings. So year mm -hmm. by year, back, we look at the utility bill, we audit them and uh, validate that what we've done in upgrading their facilities and controls and their systems um, has actually translated into real life savings. Mm. Um, you know, on, on the new construction side, when we're, if we're building a new addition or a new building together, you know, we have to rely on models, energy models and um, economic analysis. But, you know, we really, truly want to provide the owner with the best options and make sure they understand what their options are so they can make the decision about how they want to invest their money. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we want to make sure they understand the ramifications 
of choosing one system over another, it's not just the initial cost, but the lifetime cost of operating that equipment. Mm -hmm. And you know, another side of it is is maintaining it, you know, which that uh, you know fits right into our offering as part of Limba. Yeah, not just designing and building, but maintaining and servicing throughout the life of the facility. So it really gives us uh, a tremendous expertise and benefit to advise the owner and become a trusted partner with how they spend their money and making sure they're understanding the consequences of uh, what what their decisions are. Oh, I love that. I love that because at least for me, when I think about what we do, the life cycle of work that we we follow, I don't necessarily think about it from that kind of sustainability lens in terms of we're, we're securing our own work. <laughs> yes, we're being sustainable in terms of responsible for the environment, the social aspect of it and the economy, but we're also guaranteeing all of that internally as well, just as we are guaranteeing it for our customers, which is pretty cool. It is. It's awesome. I've and, had an know, epiphany. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's the, the maintenance and service is a really critical component because even if you designed and purchased and built and installed uh, energy efficient systems, if it's not maintained properly, it becomes inefficient and it operates less effectively mm-hmm. and ends up not being, uh, not fulfilling the value that it should have. So it's, it's important not only up front, but through the duration of the, of the facility yeah. to, to be properly serviced and maintained. Which reminds me of that definition Ben shared. Ben, what was that definition that you shared at the beginning again of sustainability? Uh, development that meets the needs of today without jeopardizing the needs of the future. Yeah, that sums it up right there. Pretty awesome. I was going to add something to Sean's comment. Which oh, add, add, please. Yeah, so Sean, to your point, um, you know, new, I always ask this question to some of our clients is, what do you think is more efficient, a new building or an old building? And they always say the new building for some reason. And I love my response because my response is, could be both, could be neither. We find that a lot of old buildings are so dialed in operationally that they're just as efficient or sometimes more efficient than a new building that mm-hmm. is operated poorly. Now, this is not a building that Limbaugh designed was under control maintenance-wise, but I'm saying you can walk in with a brand new building, control it horribly, and it's not nearly as efficient as it could be if you dialed it in. So I love thinking of that efficiency, new versus old, it's really how you operate the dang thing that's going to decide how efficient you really are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. If, I could, if I could add on to that as well, I think that's a great point. And, you know, not only is the, you know, the older buildings, can they be, you know, more efficient or, you know, cost less to operate, but it also, you know, reduces the waste and the turnover and the cost of building a new building because your old one's 20 years old. If you already have the built infrastructure there and you know how to maintain it and you've been operating it well for the past 20 years or however long it may be, well, then there's really no reason to tear it down and to build a new multi-million dollar building. So I think that was a really good point, Richard. Hmm. So again, there's some economic responsibility in making those decisions. And, And Richard, to come back to your point there and bring it back home to our organization, how... 
how do we save money as a company by focusing on, you know, energy and technology and innovative solutions? Because I think sometimes we look at technology as just an expense and not really bringing anything back to us as an organization. But is there a way to flip that perspective? There certainly is. So there's, there's always an expense, right? Whatever, right. It's, whatever we're trying to do, you have to pay money for. Right. Um, but for, for me, my perspective is when we look at new technology or the application of that technology, like I mentioned earlier, it's, it's applying it smartly, right? Where does this application make sense? Not just because we can do it, but what's the benefit really going to be? And so when right. I think about how we use whatever technology we're applying, it's, it's all about, for instance, collecting the data in whatever it is, taking that data in back into those actionable items. And mm -hmm. I just want to give you a, a quick example. Yeah, we use fairly simple technology just to collect utility bill data or benchmark data on a facility. And so we walk into a building and we say, hey, this is your benchmark. It's a score from one to 100. This is what you're currently rated against your peers, similar buildings, right? And I always use the analogy. It's like that mile per gallon sticker you see on your car when you go to buy a car, 25 miles a gallon. It doesn't apply to electric vehicles, so I need to update this analogy. But you go to a car and it says, this is how much gas your car is going to use per mile, right? And so we always say, this is what your building is. If you do nothing right now, this is what it's going to be. Oh, by the mm -hmm. way, you never stay the exact same. You're either getting incrementally better or you're getting incrementally worse. And so we use that as a baseline to say, this is where you could be. And we use the technology to help them understand by making these changes to your operation or by changing the systems, this is where you could be, right? So we show them that light at the end of the tunnel by using dashboards, collecting the data, showing them great looking models of what we could do their facility, how much it's gonna cost, what your payback's going to be. So we use the technology to help show them and really help them understand what they could be doing better. So this is a public service announcement to our sales folks. This is a way to start selling what we do, right? We can say, hey, let's look at it from an energy angle. Um, I'm not sure that all of our salespeople are doing that, but it could be a possibility or a possible route for them. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, it's a very important um, aspect of the building operation. Sure, we want to go in there and we want to make the buildings safer environmentally and more quality. Mm -hmm. We want to help them operate more efficiently. But we also want to let them know there's some cost savings here that can help you pay for that. Money talks. Money talks. Like Sean said, those performance contracts, if we save you a little bit of money, it may not pay for itself year one, but year three, you paid for it and then you're making the money thereafter, right? But you're getting all these other benefits like reducing your carbon emissions from your facility, uh, showing that you're a better steward of the environment to your customer base or your building occupants. A lot of cool things we can do. Put a dashboard in the lobby that says we're reducing energy, we're reducing carbon emissions. Look at us go, right? So your nice. building tenants are just like, man, I, I want to stay in this building longer. Those are the things we can do. I love that. I love those ideas. And I'm glad we have people thinking about this, you know, both internally and externally. And there's always more we could do, right? So I have our last question of the show because we're wrapping up here. Um, and I want to ask each of you, what advice would you give to someone who's interested in learning more about how we can grow sustainably? Because 35 minutes is not going to cut it. You know, it's not enough time to really talk about all that there is to be more responsible for what happens outside of these walls. So, uh, Ben, could we start with you? What advice would you give? Yeah, I would really say the most important thing is to be aware and to mm -hmm. be aware of, you know, what the, what the 
trends are or you know where we're going uh really, really just being invested and, and just kind of learning and i want to tie something back to what richard was just saying i'll give you an example here of you know just a quick google search of you know the, the pillars of sustainability what well, richard just described uh the three pillars with his, his wow. analogy and and you know for one you know obviously yeah you know reduce carbon emissions you know energy efficiency you know obviously mm -hmm. that's good for the environment there's pillar one number two he was talking about the return on investment whether it's three years or five years well there's economic savings to that for the business mm -hmm. and there's pillar three or pillar two and then with those savings you know depending on what the business chooses to, chooses to do with it you can go down the route of you know oh the company's gonna get new cubicles and get new technology and computers for their, their workers and then there's pillar three the social side of that business and keeping and retaining or attracting new talent yeah incredible and so just a quick google search and kind of thinking critically and applying that to everyday life i think it's really just the best way you can kind of learn more about it uh, that's great that's great advice sean how about you well i think um you know specific to our industry it's important like ben said to to be aware and, um, you know, in our industry, ASHRAE <clears throat> is a big driver of what policy should be. And typically their standards become code and uh, we're gonna see a lot of code updates and changes, uh, you know, happening as, as we focus mm -hmm. more and more on this. So it's good to keep in touch with what ASHRAE is doing. The US Green Building Council is a good resource for um, you know, just because of the the breadth of the, the lead certification process, there are multiple yeah. other um, of similar kind of things. But, um, you know, I think more than anything, um, you know, just be thoughtful about it as you look at things. There's a lot of information out there. Some of it's a lot better than others. But, um, you know, just be aware and think through things. Um, mm -hmm. You know, does that make sense? Are we helping and um, are we aware of, of how we're impacting things around us? Right. Which, which may require some digging, like you said, just trying to figure out what's out there. Um, again, great advice. Thank you for that, Sean. And Richard, what would you say to someone who's interested in learning more? Well, Katie, I think my response would be, you know, it's it's a constant effort mm -hmm. to stay aware of what's happening related to sustainability, right? It's nothing you're going to learn once and know it like algebra. You need to stay on mm -hmm. top of things. You need to reach out to the, the forums or um, industry societies like Sean just said, like Ashford. You need to join email lists, right, to get the monthly notifications about what cool new technology came out or what mm -hmm. what new design there is that's going to make buildings more energy efficient or make their construction use more renewable resources, things of that nature. So I guess the advice I'd give is it's uh, get ready for, for, let's just say, a journey because you're always yeah. going, you always need to stay on top of the latest things because technology and construction methods are, are behind the sustainability movement far more than they have been in the past. So I'm excited to see the technology expand and evolve to align with the needs to meet sustainability requirements, both jurisdiction ones, as well as just internal ones to an organization wanting to be better, right? Yeah. Um, and the building construction methods change. Um, who knows where it's gonna be two years from now. So I guess my advice would just be, hey, stay on top of things. Yeah, we, and we could really be on the cutting edge of 
you know, leading the industry in sustainability efforts in all three of these pillars, which is exciting to be be a part of. Um, so I hope this has been inspiring for our listeners. It definitely, I'm I'm honored to have learned from you guys in in this half hour. Um, it's been incredible to hear more about what's been going on in the world and how we can bring some of those great insights back into our own business. So. Thank you, Sean. Thanks, Ben and Richard. I appreciate you all being on this episode. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you, Katie. Development that meets the needs today without jeopardizing the needs of the future. Sustainability, in a nutshell. And this whole episode nestles into our We Care core value, too. We honestly do care about the environment, about our people, and about the economic benefits and insight we can bring, both internally and externally. You heard three unique perspectives on this one topic, and there's so much to pull out from each of these experts. I'm leaving inspired and ready to meet today's needs with the goal of never jeopardizing the needs of future generations. And I hope you'll join me in that endeavor. We'll catch you next time on Limbach Unlocked. Thank you.